I still can't believe that we actually agreed to spend the entire weekend out here in the middle of Oh my god. You are not wearing those for a weekend of hiking, are you? Well, I wasn't going to waste money on hiking boots. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't worry about it. Here you go. It's just a short little hike through the woods. It's not going to kill us. Marty, it's Haley. Her and her husband, Jeremy, came up this way to scope out a, a deer trail. And I ain't seen or heard from him since. I see. is up everyone this is the sight and sound podcast presented by heart god media and uh today i have uh, two very very special guests one returning and one a brand new face to the show or should i say voice uh we have a uh, director writer actor lance parkin and also ben deedles of uh neon brainiacs fame but also filmmaker actor in his own right as well both uh stars and of course lance uh, directing the new film the boonies which is out now on amazon prime and uh respective formats to vod and and rent and you know you're not gonna go to the video store anymore unfortunately but uh we have these gentlemen on here today to discuss the boonies the new film and uh we're also gonna dive into a bunch of other things i got a i got questions for them I also have this little thing uh, I want to do called Battle Year, where we take two movies from one specific year, and we each choose a movie between the two. Which one would we take over the two? And they're not going to be easy ones, guys. These are going to be... These are the best of the best of 1985 today. All right. Yeah, man. Oh, I'm pumped, that's, dude. That's my birth year. It's a good year. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was three years after that, but 85 was a great year. Yeah, it was a thanks great year. Yeah, thanks uh thanks for having us on, man. We're really appreciate it. So good to be back, man. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I definitely appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Of, of course. Uh so I but before we we get into the film, you know, I I I did check out the film and uh it's honestly I was uh, I was a taken back by how nice the film looked. And I and that that isn't meant to be like disrespectful at all, but sometimes you you when you hear about you know uh, these independent films being made, you're you're expecting kind of a certain quality, and I was really taken back and like uh, refreshed with how nice this film looked. Uh, it it was that's my immediate thing I wanted to immediately talk about before we get too deep into it. I just wanted to spitball immediately, and I was like really impressed with how nice the film actually looked. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. I I mean. Like a lot of that credit, of course, most of it will go to uh, Jeffrey Smee, guy from Pittsburgh. He's been my filmmaking partner for the last uh, shit seven years, I think. 
But, I mean, the dude is just like, a, I mean, Ben's worked with him. He's had him shoot some of his stuff. The guy's just like a one-man army. That's amazing. He just comes fully decked out with equipment, and he has, like, an amazing eye and amazing technical prowess. Now yeah. the, the... He's, he's incredible. Yeah, just a really great uh, cinematographer. And, uh, yeah, very uh, kind of soft-spoken guy. You know, you never know if uh, he really likes anything or not. But uh, <laughs> then you go back and, and look at the footage, and you're like, God damn, it looks great. That, yeah, that, awesome. That, yeah. That's I mean, how you usually either. know too. The the quiet guy that's like a, <laughs> you, you know, they're like, does he does he like it? And they're like, you know, does it look good? But he doesn't. He doesn't. He's hard to read, right? That is, I know yeah, exactly his, what kind of guy you're talking about. <laughs> his scale runs roughly from it's all right to I fucking hate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's really what, that's what you're gonna get out of dude. So if if he if he if he gives you like a shrug, you know you're good. To yeah. Go. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he will literally tell you. He'll be like, uh, "Let's just shoot it because I'm just gonna keep messing with the fucking lights unless yeah. we start rolling." So just, just, just do it. I was like, "All right, cool, cool." Because yeah, there's been plenty of times where actually I'm shooting a movie with him right now, where he's like, "This is gonna look like shit," and then I go back and look at it. And I'm like, this looks great. And then I'll talk to him like a day or two after. He's like, he's like, yeah, yeah, it ended up turning out pretty good. I was like, all right, well, what, what were you talking a, about? Yeah. Yeah, that is a standard Smee routine right there. So he yeah. sits on the throne of modesty then. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the dude's great though. He's one of my best friends in the world. I love it. I love it. And uh, so um, before we dump, jump into that, let's get into this thing. I'm, I'm debuting it with you guys too. I figure... Uh, we get Ben, a returning guest. We get you, Lance, a brand new guest on the show. Um, we don't have a set schedule when we drop shows. We pretty much drop it when I'm not chasing my goddamn brand new puppy dog around now. Uh, so uh, we're uh, we're going to do this right now. This is called Battle Year. Now, Battle Year, we will select one year from the annals of film, filmdom, filmland, and we will compare movies that came out in that year. And like I said, we're not comparing, you know, uh, light films here. We're getting the best of the best, the hard hitters, at least in my eyes. Maybe maybe some people would hate these films and it's going to be easy for them. But we're going to kick it off, 1985. And if you don't know the film, you can just default to the film. And, and it'll be a discussion. Why haven't you seen such and such film? So Battle Year, 1985, gentlemen. Are we ready? All right. I'm so fucking this is ready. So this is new. We're the first ones ever doing You're the, this. This is the fucking, the debut. Pioneers. I'm say. honored. Yeah, I'm honored, man. Me this too. This is great. So yeah. 19, 1985, this was a, talk about a fucking, we were bailing fucking hay in the in the farmhouse of fucking cinema here. Jesus Christ. The first two, first two up, some, some, uh, some heavy hitters, The Goonies and Back to the Future. Which one are we taking, guys? Ooh, all right. Uh, Lance, do you want to go first on this, man? Um, yeah. Uh, funny side note about the Goonies. A guy on Reddit accused us of being unoriginal for our name because we just took Goonies and made it a G. I made it a, a Goonies. And made it a G. <laughs> I, honestly, I didn't even think about it, like, it being the Goonies just because I grew up rural outside of Syracuse, so I knew the term Boonies, you know, out in the Boonies, yeah. you know. 
So I didn't yeah. even I didn't even think about that, but well, there was there was another Reddit hero that stepped in and called the guy a fucking idiot because it yeah. means you don't know. <laughs> so thanks for that guy. I'll second but, the uh, fucking idiot motion. Yeah. That, that that being said, uh, probably back Back to the Future. I mean, I love the Goonies, but Back to the Future I think is an easy one for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna have to side with Lance on this one. Uh, back to the Future is uh, honestly a near. I'll, I'll just I'll, i won't even say near perfect it's it's a perfect script i mean it just there's so many setups and payoffs in that movie it's just like a screenwriter's fucking wet dream that movie dude and there's a reason why it's still on tv you know probably Constantly. like every yeah every other fucking weekend because it's just well there's a stone cold classic it's oh, fucking timeless well there's still like Dude, there's toys, there's Funkos. It's still, it's as relevant now as it was in 85. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. 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 Now. And it's just, the characters are great. I mean, I love the Goonies, too. It's a lot of fun, but, you know, I it's, it's, it's not one of those ones I go back to a lot, and I definitely go back to the future uh, a whole bunch. So, yeah, I got to go back to the future. So I'm not doing this just to lick the other side of the ring pop, but. I'm I'm going I'm going Goonies only because now listen Back to the Future landmark changed cinema changed a lot but I'm one of the I know I'm in uh, probably a, a rarer box when I say I'm more of a Back to the Future Part Two guy. Okay, right. I just I just yeah. favor that one uh, a little bit more than the first one. The first one obviously is just classic. It's it's rewatchability is off the charts. But as is Goonies, I just love Goonies. I got a, a really soft spot in my heart for Goonies. It sits right next to the Back to the Future and the Back to the Future 2. So I'm going Goonies. Hey, nothing wrong with that, man. Yeah. I'm, and yeah solid, solid opinion, I'd say. Yeah. I mean, Back to the Future 2 is pretty dope as well. Uh, it's it's a pretty pretty darn good sequel, you know, when it comes to sequels to giant movies yeah, in the it's, 80s. Yeah, Back to the Future, Terminator 2, those ones are like, they're the uh, the Barry Bonds and uh, Sammy Sosa. I mean, without you know the steroid controversy, there was you know those are heavy well, heavy hitters. Christopher hit Lloyd was a was a known steroid user. So, oh yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good you know it's a good comparison. <laughs> he definitely had pecs in the second one. Uh, so number two on this uh, on this battle year, we got 1985, of course, George Romero's. Day of the Dead, and Ooh. Silver Bullet. Ooh, mm, man, that's good. I mean, I, I'll go out the gate here. Uh, probably be Silver Bullet for me. Well, I was. I, I'm not. I'm not sure. I was expecting that with a with a Pittsburgh boy. Yeah, and I, I, you yeah. know what? Like Day of the Dead. I mean, I, I like it. It's got a great soundtrack, and I mean, the effects are phenomenal but um yeah i just i i have a real soft spot for for silver bullet and day of the dead's probably my least favorite dead movie so yeah i'm right there with um, you yeah so i i i'll go silver bullet big a big gary Busey guy over here so i anything <laughs> with him in it you know I'm, i I'm, yeah i love it yeah i'm also gonna go silver bullet uh and solely it's because i'm a huge werewolf fan so if you put a werewolf in something it gets an edge already I, so. I like it. I'm a huge advocate for the werewolf. Um, this one's really hard for me. Lance, are you a Pittsburgh guy too? 
uh, um, Johnstown area originally, but I've lived in Pittsburgh for 12 years. Oh, okay. So, I mean, on the periphery, I was born of the Yinzer zone. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I, I need the Yinzer zone. I, I need yeah. that for yeah. con. I need. Yeah. I just needed that for the the Day of the Dead context there, but uh. This one's really hard for me. Again, I'm in the same boat as uh, you, Lance. As soon as uh, werewolves are in it, uh, it immediately gets uh, gets me half a chub. So I'm I'm usually in. Um, oh, this one is fucking hard. It is really fucking hard. I'm going silver bullet too. Fucking nice. clean. Wow. We clean swept. Fucking old Georgie boy. Sorry, George. I know. Uh, yeah. I mean, no. Big props to George. And it's no knock on Day of the Dead. It's a great movie. But yeah, I I don't know. It's just it's one of those it, again one of those d- dead movies that like I rarely go back to and watch that yeah. one. You know? In a world I'm, in a world in a world with Dawn of the Dead, like why watch Day of the Dead? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> See, I I love Day of the Dead more than Dawn of the Dead, but then I feel. It's so it's so hard because I now I'm saying that I like Silver Bullet more than Day of, or Dawn of the Dead and I I don't know where I sit on this I'm kind of questioning everything that I've ever known, but uh, again you got Busey, also Busey. Side note, I know Ben I know on Neon Brainiacs you guys have covered Silver Bullet as have I. Tell me Busey doesn't yeah. have the best lines in that might be his most uh, next to fucking point his lines in Point Break. They might mm, be some uh, of his best lines. Like, uh, <laughs> you're gonna tell the local favorite... minister, you're gonna gargle, you want, you want him to gargle with broken glass or eat a rat poison omelet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, he's got the best lines. I, one of the weirdest, like, kind of obscure lines from Silver Bullet that sticks out to me is that, like, he, like, thanks his sister. He's like, oh, you guys invited me over for a pork dinner. He's just like, yeah, great pork dinner. Yeah. Like, I don't know why it cracks me up. And then, like, I was I was driving down the streets about a year ago. There was, like, a charity dinner, like, down in Coriopolis where I live. And it was, like, annual pork dinner. Pork dinner. And, I, and, like, three people who listen to the show sent me pictures of that banner because they were, like, hey, dude, check it out. There's We should invite Gary Busey to the pork dinner here in Coriopolis. Like, come on. It's uh, also uh, – to, to wrap up our, our silver bullet uh, clean sweep of Day of the Dead – one line I love, and it's just a random line, is when he's playing, uh, when he's when he's betting uh, baseball cards with Marty. I don't know why, but when he goes, you can't bet managers. You, I always say yeah. that. I always say that. <laughs> you can't bet managers. Yeah, he's right. He's right, man. Get out of here, you know? <laughs> so uh, this was, I will say this. So Goonies and Back to the Future topped the top five of 1985. But also... Okay did these two movies were in the top 10 list as well. And they are two action films and we have, they both star Stallone. We got Rambo two or first blood part two Rambo mm-hmm. and Rocky four. Oh, Ooh. Ooh, man. It shows you the ti- sign of the times in 1985 when both these films were in the top 10 grossing of the year. And now I feel like neither one would even touch the charts because there aren't. It's not a Marvel movie, I guess. But I mean, it just yeah. goes to show you how dominant uh, action films, especially starring you know the likes of Sly or, or Arnold, were in the eighties. Yeah, peak masculinity. You ain't kidding. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. This, this is tough, dude. I because <laughs> I like I like both of those movies. Um, 
Man, I, I might have to give the slight edge to uh, First Blood Part 2 just because it is just balls-to-the-wall action almost the, in, the entire movie <laughs> where, <laughs> like, true. you know, like, Rocky Four is fun, but it's also, like, what's with the robot and shit? When you know, pa- like, Polly almost fucks on? the robot at one point. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's a robot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was going to say Rocky Four, and then when he threw the robot, I was like, oh, yeah, what is with the fucking robot? Yeah, it was like a robot butler or something. Yeah, like that, or yeah. Like, what was that? There should have like, been a short circuit Rocky crossover. Yeah, yeah. Johnny number five in yeah. there, dude. It would have been, you know. <laughs> yeah, I gotta go first blood part two because it's just it's so violent and so over the top and like honestly, I mean, I, the, probably the first Rambo is my favorite of, of the series, but part two is just so bonkers and so of that era and of the time. So I, yeah, I'll just, I'll, I'll go first blood part two, man. Just a slight edge. So there you go. What about you, Lance? Yeah. Um, yeah, I was originally going to say Rocky part four just because it set the stage for the Creed movies, which I really like, um, because you know, Apollo Creed dies and everything. So kid doesn't get to know his dad, but when he threw the butler at me, I think yeah. I, <laughs> I think I had to pivot, and I think I'm gonna go Rocky two or Rambo two, just First Blood two, just for being it's all of its '80s action insanity. See, I'll Edge, go. I'll, I'll I'll go Rocky four for two reasons. One, it ignited the uh, the love fire of Sly and and Bridget Nielsen, and that also gave her gave us. Her and Cobra with him a year later. Mm-hmm. That's and, true. Yeah. And that's true. And it's got James Brown in it. Oh yeah, it does. Holy shit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> man, you're making me rethink this now. Now I'm like, man, can I look past the robot butler? Because James Brown is in this shit. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. It's, I mean, yeah. it definitely has one of the one of my favorite movie lines with Dolph Lundgren's I must break you line. Like everybody knows from that oh, movie yeah. because it's pretty, it's pretty iconic. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's stamped in, in uh, cultural history for the, that time period. 100%. Yeah. He was like a fucking chemist or some shit. Oh, right? he, yeah, like, he's like, a, he's, he's like a genius. Yeah. He's like genius level intellect. Yeah. Like, and just we're like, yeah, let's put him in this boxing sequel. You know, like, okay. You know, I mean, he's perfect for it, but it's just, yeah, I don't know. Now I'm really kind of rethinking this, but I don't know. Again, this battle year will always be hard. It's not going to be, you're not getting like, uh, I don't know, Porky's two and something else. Yeah, <laughs> I, guess, I, I, I guess I'm like I'm approaching it. I guess in the perspective of if I had to sit down and watch it right now, which one would I pick? And I think I would go like First Blood Part Two. You know, like if like right now, if you just I had to watch one of them, which one would I go for? That's sort of how I'm approaching it. Okay, okay, yeah, that's a good way to look at it for sure. So our last one of uh, Battle Year. We're going. Uh, we're going to uh, the horror film realm once again. We're going Reanimator or Demons. Ooh, uh, I'm going Reanimator, man, because uh, the humor in that movie mixed with just the the craziness of the plot and 
I, I love the character of, of the reanimator in that. Um, what's his name? Jeffrey Combs, who yep. plays that character. Mm-hmm. I, I love that character. It's such a weird, weird fucking movie. There's so much nakedness in that, too. So it's like, you know, I, I got to give it to that, man. I just, yeah, reanimator. Yeah, re- it's easy reanimator for me. Um, I love Jeffrey Combs. I love the movie. I love like I love all the, the crazy colors, the crazy visuals. Uh, I'm, I'm a fan of Lovecraft stories, so even the source material is something I am into. So, yeah, it's easy for me, Reanimator. See, um... I like demons because I, I I like some Italian horror, and it's definitely up there. You know, when it comes to some of the Italian horror. Now I'm gonna have to go. It 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 pains me somewhat, but I'm gonna go demons. Just the soundtrack alone. Has got has got me swinging that way. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Saxon, come yeah, on, gotta, it's got a great soundtrack. Yeah, and, you, know, you know, Reanimator is one of my favorite horror movies, so that makes it pretty easy. Yeah, I mean, Reanim- thats the thing. Reanimator is another movie. I feel like it in the last probably fifteen years, the door has kind of swung open for its fandom, where more and more people are discovering that film, and it's just. I feel like I haven't met anyone that was ever partial on Reanimator, or or I feel like I haven't heard anybody that's disliked Reanimator. It's just it's one of those films. I think it still doesn't get enough credit from people kind of dancing around the the genre when we talk when you talk like horror movies, especially to your point, Ben. The mixture of comedy and horror, obviously, you get a lot of that in, in say, like, an Evil Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, things like that. Mm. But it's kind of, when you talk, like, epic comedy horrors, I feel like that one isn't really jumped on. I feel like they even jumped on things like uh, Return of the Living Dead or Lost Boys before you even hear Reanimator. But it's, that movie's hysterical as much as it is, you know, a horror movie. Yeah. Yeah, I laugh a lot watching that one it's great plus you know barbara crampton's in that too so i mean come on you know what can i say 100 <laughs> percent. so that will wrap up battle year that was uh that was good and it was pretty uh it was easy but at the same time got us thinking especially when we got to first blood part two and rocky four two slice yeah. who, who would have thought the two slice sequels were the ones that actually you know what i got one more we're gonna bon- we're gonna do a bonus one all it right a hell of, it's a hell of a year it re- yeah. I, seriously return of the living dead and fright night oh, yeah when you when you said horror before you actually said the choices for the last time you said horror i thought fright night was gonna be one of them yeah i had it written down but i was just like i i got like a bunch for 1985 and i was just like do i want to save this for another one and i said fuck it so what what are you guys taking <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to, this is a tough one. Cause I like both these movies a lot. And again, these are all tough. These are all, these are tough choices, man. This is like, like photo finish type, uh, you know, decisions I'm making here, but I'm going to go fright night because again, uh, the mix of humor and, and comedy. And I just, I love the story, man. I just, I love the story. The vampire moves in next door and, and nobody believes the kid and, it's got some great iconic characters, fucking Jerry Dandridge, you know, played by, uh, was it Chris Sarandon and, uh, William Ragsdale in that is, is Charlie. Um, fuck dude. I just, I, I love that one. I think it's great. 
uh, yeah, I, again, I'm with Ben. <laughs> I second on Fright Night. And, I mean, it's... I, li- I like the I like the Cassandra complex kind of story where no one believes him and like, but really it comes down to the fact that I'm just not the biggest fan of the Return of the Living Dead franchise, unfortunately. So that's what uh, that's so I just by default sort of we'll go with Fright Fright Night. Yeah, this one's like really, this one's really got me probably the most torn out of any of them. Oh, Return of the Living Dead for me is just, and Fright Night as well, like, I grew up watching these films, like, it's, it's just, it's, it's fucking so hard, but I would probably, oh, it almost, I feel like I'm, I'm cheating by saying this, I'm cheating on Return of the Living Dead by saying Fright Night, but I'm a sucker for a vampire film, as I am with, and don't get me wrong, I don't, I don't dislike zombie movies at all. I actually actually adore them, especially obviously all of Romero's work. You know, the reanimators of the world, Return of the Living Dead. I have a fucking sign poster in front behind me. I got fucking George sign shit in front of me. But there's something about Fright Night where I just love classic monsters, and not that zombies aren't classic monsters at this point, but like the classic werewolf vampire. I I'm a sucker for that, and monsters aren't existent as much as they should be in horror film. So I'm going. Yeah, for, I'm, right, going I'm going. For I'm right it. with you. Yeah, I'm right with you there. I love. I love the classics. Classic monsters. And uh, we just don't see enough of them. So that is Battle Year. I hope everyone has enjoyed that because I had a lot of fun with that. And uh, how about that? Uh, we debuted it with uh, with Lance and Ben and. Uh, yeah, this is some heavy hitters, man. Yeah, yeah. We're, you're gonna get some letters. You're gonna get some letters over this. Man. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah I actually, that was great. Yeah, I, that was a. Uh, it was like I said, first time trying it out. I, I'm a big fan of it right now because I like hearing differing opinions. I like I like hearing when people are like not, you know, aren't as much of a fan as something that's super beloved or are or just favor something in comparison to it. Or you know, we you know. I mean, Gary Busey, everyone loves Gary Busey, so. Oh, yeah. Utah, give me two. Utah, give me two. <laughs> All right. Uh, but let's get into The Boonies. Now, this film has come out. This was filmed in 2019, correct? Yeah, 2019 from about, I think it was, man, it's so hard to remember, pre-COVID life. Um, I think it was like April or May, maybe May to November of 2019. And that sounds about right. I, I feel like July is when I started coming around. I don't know if you guys shot anything before that, but uh, no, you were there for the very first day. So whatever you remember, oh, that's right. The start of it. It was because okay. writing it and stuff too was such a all such a blur. But we started, we pitched the idea in February, and then uh, didn't finish sound design until May of 2020. So I mean, it was like a year and a half effort. Yeah. Now, do is there? Now, Lance, you wrote it uh, with another gentleman who uh, is an actor in the film, correct? Uh, yeah i i I came up I came up I have the story I came up with the story, and then as always, I I write the scripts with Matt Schultz, who the guy I've known for like twenty something years. I'm friends with like his whole family. We're both from the same area, and. We did the show. It's on. It's a show on Amazon called Theo and the Professor that we kickstarted, and Smee shot that too. And we put that together 
in the past. And I wrote it with Matt, and Matt is the star of it. Um, I, I wore a lot of hats in this movie. I helped produce, I helped, I co-wrote, co-edited, directed, and did all the post-sound. But um, Matt plays Aaron, the, the lead um, male character. And yeah, he wrote it. And if you see what happens in the movie, you'll be shocked that he wrote that <laughs> and wanted yeah. to do it. But. <laughs> And, uh, so something I, uh, I didn't see it and I had a question on too. Um, so I noticed that, uh, cause I didn't see any, uh, license plates in it. I didn't know if there was a, a legality for like having to get, do you need like st- a state's approval to show like state license plates in, in, in a film? Uh, and I waited to the end to see if there was like filming locations or anything like that. And I watched the credits. So I, I'm just a credits whore too. I like watching credits. And I didn't see any. And, and this was obviously filmed in Pennsylvania, correct? Yeah, it was filmed uh, in Johnstown area, Somerset area, and Pittsburgh area. So it was three different areas of the state. Uh, the license plate thing, the way our, the other two producers who are also the executive producers, they sort of approached the entire film with a very very like let's make sure that when the distributor tries to pick this up there is the least amount of roadblocks in the way possible so they i don't i mean they knew more than me so i can't speak to if they were compensated or not but i think with license plates for instance you have to pay if i understand it correctly you have to get like a like if you want to put it in a state you have to like register a there's like a way to register like a fake plate for entertainment or something. And they just didn't want to do it Wow, because that's extra money. So we just, we just didn't do it. So we just removed plates and hope people didn't notice. But if you notice, like every brand name is covered up, nobody's clothes have brands. Um, the scene where they're all drinking around the campfire, we had a dude actually VFX the Coors logo out off, off all the beer cans. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I- like our, our two executive producers were extremely, conscientious of any sort of potential like legal roadblock so we really attacked it in every way possible no that's movie, which is that's crucial especially when you're you're on a budget and you're you know you don't have the you don't have the means to be uh you know hitting any roadblocks especially when you're you're trying to get this thing distributed yeah, yeah. it's it's definitely a big roadblock for a lot of smaller indie movies if you have brand names or any of that kind of stuff uh in your in your movie it can it can really uh disintegrate a distribution deal really fast yeah yeah if i were if i were to give anybody any advice in that in that regard i would definitely tell people to overcompensate because it's just going to make your life easier in the distribution stage in the end and i mean not for nothing i kind of there's a part of me that likes it in in especially uh you know obviously I understand that there's things that happen for smaller budget films, for independent filmmakers, where you need to safeguard yourself like that so you don't hit roadblocks. But I almost like the the mystique of it and of not knowing where it is because then it can, you know, it can someone that's watching this in, you know, West Virginia could be like, oh, this is in West Virginia. Or someone that's watching it in, in rural upstate New York or rural, you know, PA can put themselves and imagine it happening or, or just see the scenic uh, elements in the film and to be able to kind of place it in, you know, their backyard, so to speak, especially for younger viewers that, you know, that's like a, a big thing. I know when I was younger, if there was something going on in like a, a big city and stuff, it was exciting and it was cool. But at the same time, it was creepier in a horror movie if it was the scenic 
elements of it were similar to where I was located. Oh yeah, that's that's a, that's a great uh, that's a great observation. I never thought of. That's actually a good point. Um, I did have some people who watched the movie, you know, like without spoiling it, but like the last scene or other scenes where they didn't notice it. I'd have people be like, "Oh my god, was that was it removed for some reason? Like within the narrative of the story?" And it's like, "Yeah, yeah, sure." I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But that's actually good. It sort of can create a, a sense of, of um, you know, any town USA. The yeah, the potential that it could be anywhere. Yeah. Now, was there was there like an any like overly uh, prominent influence from any other films, or what, did it just kind of did this kind of like formulate like kind of naturally and influences kind of like naturally infiltrated your your mindset for what you wanted the boonies to become and what it did uh, become? Uh, um, no, it's definitely, definitely sort of a composite type of film. I would say it was, it's that I'm, I feel like I'm a huge fan of seventies horror, which is less common, I guess these days. seems like a lot of people love eighties horror, but I'm a huge fan of seventies horror. And, um, I've said it a ton, but the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre is evident evidently a huge influence um even even though it's an 80s movie the second one as well the tone of both is sort of mixed in this movie um west craven's last house on the left and west craven's the hills have eyes oh yeah i are... i got big hills have eyes feels from it especially uh yeah. i love the uh, for some reason i just immediately when i saw that ben's character name was cloyd i'd never heard <laughs> i'd never heard cloyd before <laughs> And uh, I, I honestly wish I would have uh, known that name before I named my dog because her name would not be Ripley Allen. It would be Cloyd. Oh, my God. <laughs> that, that would be awesome. <laughs> if she, yeah, if, I mean, yeah, it's, it's uh, the set, like, 70s horror, especially Wes Craven stuff and Toby Hooper is, like, all over the movie. I mean, I'm not even, I'm not going to act like, yeah, you know, I think some people have influences and they try to downplay them. Like, no way, dude. I, I definitely took stuff I really liked mixed it together and then tried to do my own weird like trans because i'm also a big fan of um the friend new french extreme from the early 2000s stuff like um martyrs and irreversible and inside like really transgressive like films that really just sort of push people's like sense of taste you know Mm -hmm. so i tried to i tried to add the dash of that through like the last act when things get really weird into like a sort of modern version of a 70s film you know you could see it. the color grade i was very specific with me about the color grade because i wanted to look 70s and the use of the bold red font and stuff like that like no i sort of... you kind of really nailed something there lance when you say that everyone i feel like and myself included i feel like i'm so like uh engulfed and just saturated with like 80s culture because you know that when I started running VHSs in the the nineties, and when I was wa- you know, I was watching movies on Showtime and Cinemax in the in the mid nineties and stuff. It was all the eighties movies because the eighties was so huge. There were so many films, uh, so many landmark films that that everyone loves. Uh, obviously, that we proved that with Battle Year nineteen eighty five. Just one year, we rattled off a bunch of like classic movies. But the seventies, I feel like there is a little bit of of an area um and ben you can you can speak to this too because you 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 and greg obviously run neon brainiacs in all 80s exploit horror exploitation uh podcast 
You know, I yeah. feel like a lot of the 70s movies set the stage for so many 80s movies. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like, and there's something about some of those, like, late 70s, like, horror films that that really were, were kind of dangerous, you know? I feel like... Um, yeah, in you're, the 80s, you're right. That, yeah, like, in the 80s, like, some of that... It got, you know, it, it gets more wacky, you know, in the 80s, which I think, you know, a lot of people are definitely kind of drawn to. But, like, you know, that sort of serious just, like, dread of, like, some of those uh, late 70s horror movies um, really sticks with you. They've really stuck with me, like, seeing them as a kid. And I'm a big 70s horror fan, too. I, 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 I It was one of the main things that even drew me to wanting to do uh wanting to be in this movie with Lenny not only is Lance like a, a great friend of mine but like when he pitched it to me he was like ah, we're, we're, I want to do something like real 70s and I liked it because a lot of the stuff I end up getting asked to do or get involved in you know especially being involved in an 80s horror podcast and I feel like everyone's doing the 80s right now and it's like yeah there's a lot of really neat stuff being made and I'm not going to knock anybody for doing anything like that but it was really refreshing to have a filmmaker be like hey i'm i really want to do like something that's kind of like 70s influence i was like whoa okay like yeah everyone's fucking sucking the 80s dick over here like it was like nice to you know uh you know get offered a project that you know was not you know based around something like that yeah, yeah expound what you were saying about the the sense of like dread and danger like i mean don't get me wrong obviously i mean i'm a I'm an 80s horror fan. Like, who isn't if you're into horror, right? But yeah. much like, um, <clears throat> but like, um, like Jesse was saying, like, I, I, uh, I was raised, I, I saw the 80s stuff first, but it wasn't until I started seeing some 70s horror movies that I was really, they just resonated something in me. Like, the first time I saw Last House on the Left, you know, and he, like, he, like, Wes Craven was, like, inspired by, like, war films he saw from Vietnam when he made it, you know? And, like, all my favorite horror movies, like, even non like i don't know murdery shit like exorcist and the original alien and, and you know halloween like these are all like my favorite ones and it's that sense of like you're seeing something that maybe you shouldn't be seeing you feel like and there's like a grittiness to the film and there's like a grittiness to the way it's like made and an over like an umbrella of dread around the whole movie and like like you said it feels like dangerous and it's like the kind of thing i kind of wanted to make with a with a bit of transgression around it did i just hear an irish cricket uh, it was just me opening a beer. Sorry, <laughs> Irish cricket. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, no, there was. I think it was when the '80s came too. Everyone was desensitized, especially after the early '80s, the big explosion of slashers in the early '80s. But before that, uh, to your guys's point too, it was a lot of somberness. Like there wasn't really a happy ending for. La I mean, it was kind of happy, but. Last House didn't really have a, a, a really joyous ending. I mean, even, you know, when you think about some of these, like Alien. Alien didn't really land on, like, the happiest. A lot of people died. Like, I, there was, yeah. like, a, a, a murkiness to, to horror then. And I think after a while in 80s, I think people, to probably to, to help with the suicide rate, were like, let's make it fucking goofy. Like, you know... Uh, I think yeah, I, I think, think subconsciously think like, that played into like a lot of '80s stuff getting goofier. Yeah, I think that, I think that's a I think it's a reasonable response too. You know, like that makes that makes a lot of sense that people would go that direction, just sort of have fun with something. You know, because like you're saying, a lot of 
a lot of the 70s horror did sort of just end with the sense of, well, now the characters just sort of left with the trauma. See you later. Yeah, I mean, you know? S- Sally in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, perfect example of that. Yeah, dude, she's like laughing her head off because she's like fucking freaking out, you know? <laughs> no, yeah. I, yeah, I really... Ending. No, I really love that the 70s influences is not only... Um, evident but like that it's brought up like it wasn't subconscious like it was actually you know it it was it was pretty a a concerted effort i I really appreciate that and love it especially because i think people uh to ben's point like there's a lot of filleting of the 80s um and and don't get me wrong i friggin i'll wax uh, an 80s pole with the best of them on their knees but yeah (laughs) at the by the same token like, where are we without Last House on the Left? Where are we without Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Where the fuck are we without Halloween? Right. Yeah, right? I mean, they really did sort of set the stage for a lot of what we appreciate now, you know? I mean, as much as I... I mean, Night of the Living Dead is is my second favorite film of all time. But without Dawn of the Dead, which is, I, I think, Romero's you know most popular uh, of the dead films. Um, I mean, is there really... Do we... What does the modern zombie look like without some of those George Romero dead films, namely Dawn of the Dead? Yeah, right. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. I, I I truly like I truly love seventies horror just because of like the found like the foundations it laid and like just the <laughs> it's so and I think some of it's like I don't know some of it's like lack of I don't know, lack of technology or lack of. I don't know, like a word I kept on my finger on. Maybe you guys can help me, but there's like there's something lacking that they had to work around, which I think creates a sense of realism. Yeah, there there wasn't there wasn't like as many resources as would become, and especially like the um, you know, the big uh, effects departments weren't what they were, what they became in the '80s. Like it was still pretty mavericky. It was still pretty. Don't get me wrong. There was definitely effects artists. And some of the best of the best, but you know, as far as like the crazy outlandish effects, like you know, a perfect example compared Day of the Dead in '85 to Dawn of the Dead in '78. Now, obviously, yeah. G- George had like a big, you know, Italian influence there with the bright red and and, and even the uh, the skin tone of the zombies and stuff. But if he had the technology he had in '85 uh, with Savini and his crew. To do that in 78, he would have done it. But because he didn't, Dawn of the Dead has this... And it's so funny, I show like, uh, I've showed younger friends that are, you know, a presidential term and a half younger than me, are... They're fucking lost when I show them Dawn of the Dead. They're like, why the fuck are the zombies, like, blue? Like, why is the red... <laughs> why is the blood bright red? Yeah, I, I think, too... Uh... You know, you, you, these guys in the '70s, like Toby Hooper, you know, Wes Craven, even you know George Romero to a certain extent, John Carpenter. Um, you know, in the '80s, it, it, this was after all the, all these guys, and so these guys all had great success. But they were all making movies at the time that they weren't concerned were going to play at a multiplex at a mall, you know, in in middle America, you know. So like in the '80s, once they realized, like, oh. I feel like like some of the studio system was kind of creeping in, like, well, you gotta oh, have a happy ending, and, for and you sure. gotta, you know, this is gonna play at the mall, and 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 yada yada. Like these guys were making movies for, you know, like the art houses, and like you know maybe like a few theaters in New York, you know, and and stuff like that. They weren't thinking that these were gonna be, you know, big, you know, multiplex type 
type movies. So there's a little more danger to them. There's a little more like, well, fuck it. You know, like, I mean, my nephew's not going to see this. So let's, uh, let's go all out here. You know? Well, I remember yeah, they're, they're, they're they making movies for the drive-in. Yeah, right. They were know? sort of, they were sort of, they were sort of daring, you know, like they weren't afraid yeah. to sort of just go against the grain. I think there was a, there was an interview with Wes, um, I'll call him Wes because, I mean, he's deceased, but I'll refer to him like we fucking shared coffee together. Um, <laughs> like, like when Wes did an interview once and they were talking about how the studio, you know, was starting to promote uh, Last House with all the, you know, uh, just keep repeating it's only a movie and stuff. You know, someone asked him a question like, oh, was that like, a, you know, was that like a, a well thought out thing? Like you wanted to like, you know, shock. It was like you were trying to do the shock value before that. And he's like, he's like, no, he's just like, I, I wanted to make the film I wanted to make and I made it. And he's just like, the fact that, you know, people were shocked by it is, is a testament to the art that was made. It has nothing to do with me trying to do that. Um, whereas, you know, on the other hand, you have uh, other directors now and you know, especially with the, the torture porn era of the mid 2000s and stuff like that was made to like, you know, once Saw came out and Hostel, like those movies are, were getting, especially, especially the sequels were being made to like, you know, wow, oh my God, I can't believe that guy's Achilles got sliced. You know, well, I saw that in Pet Cemetery, so I really didn't, nothing groundbreaking, but it was, you know, it, those were direct efforts to shock and, and be shocking and stuff. Whereas as shocking as like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre is, a Hills Have Eyes, Last House on the Left, uh, they were made just, they were made because those were the movies that wanted to be made. There wasn't like a, oh, we're really going to fuck with people's minds. Granted, yes, I'm sure those conversations existed afterwards when Wes probably like looked at some, like, looked at David Hess and they're like, wow, this is. You're telling this girl to piss her pants. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, they, they made the movie without the ad campaign in mind. Exactly. And that's what, that's where, you know, uh, you know, where the eighties was, was fully aware of like, okay, this, we got to have a great poster and we got to have this interesting ad campaign and stuff. These guys weren't thinking that in the seventies and like, yeah, it's an amazing ad campaign that some guy at, you know, whatever, I can't remember what, what a picture house released last house on the left, but, um, yeah, it was a great fucking ad campaign, but then, yeah, it, you see, you, you see movies in the eighties and, and especially today, you know, where it's just like, they're made for advertising, you know exactly. I mean? They're thinking of that while they're making the movie and the seventies, they weren't thinking about that then. You know, it wasn't, it just wasn't like, you know, this like, oh, we need this mass market appeal. We're, we're making, this is my script. This is my art and I'm, and I'm making, it. and I'm not saying every fucking filmmaker in the eighties didn't think that way or anything. Right. But, you right. Know, you know, it's just, they were definitely aware of it then more so than maybe they were in the late seventies. Hey, maybe I'm dead wrong too, but you know, that's just my perspective, I guess. Yeah. Cause I, I feel like even, even um non traditionally, uh, horror directors were making some really impressive and daring horror films. Cause I mean, Jaws, Exorcist, um, and Alien all were like, what have those directors really made any other horror films than those three, than those single ones in their library? Well, like, that's true. Think, yeah. I don't, I don't think William Friedkin's ever done another horror than the Exorcist, you know? And like, I just, I just feel like they had some sort of level of creative freedom in the seventies that maybe, that didn't exist later i don't know yeah it's uh it's and that that's what's that's what i kind of love about um 
you know, filmmakers now, especially that are paying homage to the 70s, um, it, that's, I mean, that's never going to die. That influence will never die. We're talking about, I mean, you guys, you know, together, obviously, uh, Ben acting, Lance, you directing, and having your small role as the bartender, um, <laughs> um, you know, being making these films that's what I, I this podcast whenever we talk horror and we talk other things but i mean this podcast started as a tribute to toby hooper and george who died back to back in 2017 and those were our first two episodes you know i i'm a i'm a tour i feel like a you know to the you know the small listening followers we have i i feel it necessary to re keep reiterating like how important these filmmakers that build the foundation for the genre and, and for film all over. Like, I mean, George Romero is, you know, he was the first huge independent filmmaker, like D night of living dead did. So, and, and Toby too, like, you know, the, with uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, those movies built the foundation that still exists today. And West too, like those movies are still influencing people in 2021 there's a brand new movie called the boonies that has those influences and i think that's a fucking beautiful thing hey, amen thank you thank yeah you. man yeah yeah man because i i just you know i i think I, I don't know what it is sometimes with creative people they they, they sort of bury the things that influence them but we're, we're just a composite of the things we're exposed to you know what i mean that inspire us and then we sort of put our own twists on them so like i'm completely unabashed in saying that um, that sort of exploitive 70s style horror was like the front street intended feel of this film, which, you know, some people get it, some people don't, you know. Now, to uh, to dive into uh, some of the scenes without giving too much away to any listeners, because if you're, if you're listening to this and you haven't watched The Boonies, go on uh, Amazon Prime, wherever it's at. Where, where is it available for anybody to, uh, to purchase? I mean, we... We got a pretty wide net of distribution because Lionsgate did our distribution. So if there's a preferred platform you have for renting or buying, it's, it's most on, likely it's, on there. That's awesome. Yeah, it's yeah, it's on it's on Amazon, it's on Google Play, it's on Xbox, Microsoft, it's on Voot, it's it's on all of them. I mean, a lot of most cable places, I think, in Pittsburgh, they confirmed it's on Comcast and Verizon here in Pittsburgh. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just about anywhere you can rent a movie digitally right now. So that That is awesome. Now, I'm going to hit you with a hard-hitting question, both of you. Is the impending doom of male rape funny as opposed to the opposite? Like, I don't know why. When Cloyd is, <laughs> is, is fixing, <laughs> fixing up, I don't know why. I... <laughs> just started chuckling and i don't know why if it's just maybe it's because ben your character's name was cloyd and i was just like wow yeah. cloyd is is has I mean, like makeup on like this is funny i, I don't know I, I, mean, I mean i mean i don't i don't like to ever come off as uh, too pretentious of a filmmaker with my messages i think i'm a pretty down-to-earth guy but i think the the best response i could have is that honestly my intention is to basically ask you that question <laughs> like with the movie i'm asking a lot of questions with that stuff you know and there's a certain reversal that goes on in the resolution of that with the other character it's you know i don't want to spoil what happens with um Jules character and stuff but the, yeah there is the intention of putting that stuff in there is to ask like what, what how does that make you feel because like, i've seen a lot of different reactions to that scene you know 
And it's like some people seem to be more offended than they might usually. Some people seem to think it's funny. Some people seem to, you know, not be phased. So it's like, um, I mean, I, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's more funny, but I also did sort of play it in a very bizarre sort of way, you know, very, that's where I think the tone of Texas Chainsaw one and two seemed to mix the most is that whole last half hour of that movie. Oh yeah. But, But like, that's part of the intention of the way that all goes down is I, I, that's where like my, my more French and my more French filmmaker inspirations come in where I, I sort of want to confront people with it and see how they react, you know? Well, that's, I, I constantly say that like movies are, uh, movies. And I think a lot of people get upset, like when they don't get clear resolutions on something or they don't necessarily understand it. But I like to look at movies, film, uh, uh, you know, I like to look at it as same as music. Like it's, it's interpretive. Like, you know, what do you, what does the viewer or if it's, you know, music, the listener, what does the listener or the viewer take from the the art? It isn't necessarily like what the... I think, you know, Bon Jovi says it all the time. Once the song's out there, like, it's up to them to decide what it's about. It doesn't matter what it was written about. It's up to the viewer. Right? Yeah, because, I mean, I, I've noticed... I've, I could have shown it to people privately, you know, just to get a feel for people, how people react. You know, we did a big premiere and I talked to people about it. So, like... I have noticed that, you know, some people do laugh at that stuff. And then I ask them why they laugh. And some people say it's because they just think it's funny. But other people are laughing because they think it makes them really uncomfortable. And that's the best way they can express that feeling, you know? So, like, I, I don't know. Like, I guess, like, the answer to your question is that's really sort of the question the whole scene is posing in the first place. You know, like, what? how does that, how does that make you feel, you know? Well, I'll bring up, too, something, you know, Lance and I had talked about, it, you know, after I had seen a cut of the movie and we were bullshitting about it and you know i think lance you brought up a good point we were bullshitting about it um you know you see so much of that scene uh gender swapped in a lot of movies where it's right. you know a, a woman that's in peril and you know it was just trying to you know flip that and you know make make a male feel how you know, maybe a lot of women feel watching some of these movies that involve, you know, a woman in that situation. So um, I, I think that, that when, you know, Lance kind of brought that up to me, even when we were talking about the script and doing it, you know, it was something that, that sort of appealed to me about that that whole sequence. Um, and then, you know, I mean, some people might laugh too because, you know, when we did, when we shot the scene, like, I mean, you know, I, let, let's face it, I'm mostly a comedic actor. Like, you know, like most of the stuff I get asked to do is, is comedy things. So yeah, when Cloyd is, is fixing up, I, I might've leaned a little bit into some, you know, uh, physical comedy there, but it's just kind of, uh, sort of reflex for me, if, if you will. So that's, yeah, I, I, told I, you. I could see. That, yeah. That's why you, and that's why I thought you and Blake were perfect because I think the script sort of demanded actors who would maybe put a little bit more into it than other actors. And I feel like comedic actors have that lack of shame for <laughs> lack of a better way to put it. But <laughs> that's a good thing. Yeah. That's a good thing because like, yeah. you just you'll, you'll go farther with something, you know? And I, I have had people tell me that the third act of the movie tends to make them feel either exhilarated in some parts or very uncomfortable. And I mean, discomfort, a weird emotion to go for in a movie but discomfort was a was a major feeling i wanted to hit people with <laughs> oh that the, yeah it, it nailed like a an uncomfortable scene and i think like I, 
Maybe I, I, I just kept waiting for Ben to do this uh, Hyde Pike uh, voice the entire time. Uh, there was... <laughs> All right, Tommy, here we go. I'm going to get my lube out here. <laughs> uh, but it was just... Uh, I, I think it the, the movie really is... Uh, it's cool to see a movie like this just because I feel like... I don't want to. I don't want to fucking come off as the, the, uh, the person that says it. But like, I feel like there we're getting more and more like iffy about what we want to put in horror movies because there's the sensitivity level is out there. So I liked that the role. It was a role reversal type thing where the man was put in that kind of peril, um, and it was it was perfectly played. Uh, like I said, I think it's a conglomeration of me being familiar with Ben's voice from his podcast, as well as his name being Cloyd. Um, (laughs) (laughs) it was just, it just hit my funny button. Yeah. I mean, and and I think, I think laughing and find that scene funny is a perfectly valid reaction. I I don't, you know, I'm not, I don't hope I didn't at all sound like I didn't think that was a okay reaction. It definitely is. You know, like I've seen people laugh at it. I've seen people squirm. And I, I think it, if you can, if you could pull one, if you put more than one different response to a scene, you got to be doing something, right? I don't know. That's right. right. Like, I, I 100% yeah, I agree. agree. Yeah. Now, uh, so in preparation for this, uh, you know, for the film, you know, being released and, you know, it's, it's out there. You guys got wide distribution, uh, which is awesome. You know, do you, is there, is there hope for a, a sequel of sorts? You know, is that kind of not even on the radar right now? Just because I think that you could go the way it ended, especially the, uh, the, you know, mid credits, uh, scene. So stick around, don't immediately shut it off as soon as the credits start rolling. Um, you know, is that, um, is there, is there potential there? Um, I, I will say that the film is intentionally made, is made with the intention of if it's a one-off, it's a one-off. But there's definitely a second half that I would describe, like somewhere between the way Halloween 1 and 2 feels, where it's like they both sort of exist as one story, but also how Alien and Aliens exist, and that the sequel would be almost a different genre but have enough similarities that it would still feel like a sequel. And I pitched it to Ben and what do you, what do you think about it, Ben? I mean, you've told me a million times what you think about it. Yeah. I, he's, he's pitched the sequel idea. I think even when we were shooting the movie and the sequel idea, honestly, like gave me chills. I loved it. And I, yeah, I mean, I fucking uh, people go out and rent it and you know, it, uh, it makes a little coin and I, yeah, um, so you know, so, not not to spoil anything, but yeah, I'd, I'd love to uh, to do another one. Yeah. <laughs> so to, so to answer your question, if there isn't a sequel, I think the movie can stand on its own two feet. But there is a sequel idea for sure that I think would be a much scarier movie. It would lean much more into scary, like being more frightening, and it has a lot of themes of revisiting trauma. Yeah, it, it's it's a really. Um, interesting premise for the sequel. Yeah. Without diving too much into it, it really was like, I was like, Oh man. Like, I think I even said, I was like, I kind of wish we were doing that now. You know, I was like, what's <laughs> going on here? You know? But, uh, 
I mean, not to take anything away from the first film, but I just, I loved the idea and I still do. So I'm, yeah. yeah. I, I agree. It would, but it would be, it would be the best way I could put it. The relationship between Boonies 1 and Boonies 2 would be somewhere in the middle of between Halloween 1 and Halloween 2 and Alien and Aliens in the way it's like the second half of the story that completes it, but also very genre wise would be very different, but evolve it. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like it. Well, guys, uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna eat up too much more of your time. I will say I enjoyed the film. I had fun with it, and that's what I think. Especially, you know, as we're uh, as we're coming out of the uh, into the birthing canal post pandemic, um, you know, I think that's what a lot of people need now is uh, entertainment. Be it if you're a little scared, be it if you're amused. Uh, it's uh, it's what I want from films, and this film provided it. I love that there's you know filmmakers that are out there that I feel like there's you know we're in the same vicinity as far as we're I'm like just talking obviously with you, Lance. Like talked with Ben before, obviously, and and we obviously have fun talking. But uh, I I feel like there's. I really respect and I really love the that the influence is on the sleeve and it's not like brushed under and it isn't like you know you know I I, I just love I love horror films new ones that are coming out because I think people forget with you know all the 70s movies and all the 80s movies and 90s and 2000s horror movies that there's brand new movies and films coming out right now so instead of watching you know, uh, a movie for the seventh or eighth time or the ninth time, go check out a brand new film. I love discovering new films. Uh, it was, it's awesome having you both on here, Ben, you back Lance for you for the first time. And, and I can't recommend this movie enough cause I had a blast watching it. And, uh, thanks. Thanks a lot, dude. I'm not, I gladly come back on again. And, and honestly props to you because I feel like this conversation about the movie, I feel like of any I've had so far, I feel like has gotten to the heart of the movie the most. And I feel like we, as a, as a group, three of us explored the sort of beating heart in this movie better than any conversation I think I've had so far. Well, I'm just, like I said, man, I'm just a fan as we all are, you know, we're fans of this shit and I love having these conversations. So having you guys both on here to talk this film, to be able to, for you guys to have this kind of distribution on this film it's fucking awesome. The fact that it's it's it can be in every home in a second and is if you go in and, and make the, the rental purchase. I mean, that's awesome, especially, you know, and I think people forget uh, the, the amount of labor and the amount of love that goes into filmmaking. And uh, I don't take it for granted. I appreciate that the film was made. I had fun watching it. And is there now we're Heart God Media presents the Sight and Sound podcast, but something we're big on here is uh, physically owning our media. So is there going to be a physical release of the boonies? Uh, yeah, it will be. There will be a physical release. Um, the ex- exact date is pending, but it's not going to be more than a few weeks. Can we get a Cloyd t-shirt bundle pack with the Blu-ray? <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I could probably make that happen for you. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm 100% in on a Cloyd t-shirt, XL. I'll buy it. Oh, I man. I, I I'm think, into I've, it. Heard, I've told Ben this a hundred times. I think if this movie could get enough eyes, I feel like Cloyd is that kind of character that could, like... Oh, 100%. It's just such a bizarre character, you know? The name sells it all. 
right? The Boonies too. <laughs> Cloyd's Revenge. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, no, I mean, no. Just uh, people, people love Mama and Jefferson. I, I personally love Jefferson, but I mean, there's, there's something about Cloyd that he's clearly like our, like, I don't know, chop top or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's high props, man, or high praise, I should say. I um, I really had a lot of fun with the role. It was um, definitely different for me, and you know, I was I, I uh, yeah, I mean, I was I, I'll be honest, I was unsure if if I was gonna be able to pull it off. But I watched the cut with Lance, uh, you know, a couple of weeks back, and I was like, damn it, I, I think I did it, and I didn't I didn't ruin this guy's movie. So but hell yeah, 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 <laughs> let's no, make a dude. shirt. Yeah, let's make a shirt. I'm into it, man. Yeah. <laughs> fuck, fuck no, dude. Yeah, it's just, you know, if, if your listeners check it out, it's just like, you know, be aware that this movie's meant to feel, it's meant to feel like it has that sort of slow burn of a 70s movie and it has that sort of like intentional low budget 70s film was made for freaking $70,000, you know, and, you know, it's tough when you have a distribution net like we have. I think strangers might watch this and compare us on the level of movies that have a budget five, 10 times more than it, you know? Right. But it doesn't. I think, I think we handled that budget really well, in my opinion. I, I think you did as well. And like I said, whatever I can do to help you guys promote this, I'm going to do. Obviously I, I hope that people, if they hear this episode, they, they go out and they make the, the rental purchase for this and the physical copy when that happens. But, uh, I can't thank you guys both enough for, for lending me some time and coming on here and speaking about the boonies. But, before you leave, uh, Lance, you are a part of Ben's movie, The Bergeron Brothers, uh, Wedding Videographers. Right. And uh, yeah. Ben, you sent me that. Uh, we talked about in back when we did our action movie month, you were on, and we talked about uh, the lost art of, uh, of um, movie posters, and you sent me yeah. the movie poster, and I immediately loved it, so I'm looking forward to very much to that and uh very excited that uh, of course lance is uh, acting in it as well yeah yeah that's um it's i'm really excited about that picture too it's we finally got distribution for it and it'll hopefully be out sometime this summer and yeah lance uh is in that movie he's he's fantastic he's honestly one of the um kind of secret weapons of that movie i feel like so uh it's got a real like you know american movie meets um you know, like dumb and dumber kind of thing going on. So I, uh, I, I, I'm really proud of it and I'm, I'm, I can't wait for people to see it. So yeah, it's, um, really excited about that. Uh, the, uh, the poster art reminds me of the scene in bachelor party when they're taking the photos of the little kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a, that's the vibe we were going for. I, I mean, love we it. Had a I love it. Really great poster designer, uh, Mark Schoenbach from say to start designs did that. And, uh, you know, we took some pictures. I, I wanted it to look like it was like meatballs or stakeout or some shit like that. And <laughs> you, um, nailed, you nailed it with it. Yeah. Yeah. Real. Like it, it's great. And I, I hope they use it in the advertising campaign. You never know with these distributors, but, um, yeah, I, um, I'm, re- I'm real excited about that one. Yeah. Re- really excited. Yeah. They better use your poster dude. Cause they did that with boonies. We, I made like a really cool seventies looking style poster, but they ended up just making their own weird little thing. I, it happened to me with Slaughter Drive too, where we had a great poster, and then like they were like, "Nah, we got to go with this generic ass shit for the fucking 
DVD. And I was like, all right. And then they're like, yeah, cause, cause you know, Walmart doesn't, doesn't carry shit like that. And then I'm in Walmart the other day and like everything looks like a VHS in there <laughs> and, and shit. And you're like, fucking what? Yeah. Like, yeah. What, what are you guys talking about? You know, yeah, my, my original boonies cover definitely looked like it belonged to like a VHS tape, but whatever. If they have that yeah. conversation, you say, let's go to a fucking Walmart right now, pal. <laughs> right. That's what I should say. Yeah, I will. This time around, I'm going to be like, we're going to Walmart. Come on, let's go. You and me. Yeah. A fun fun fact for you, Ben. When I played in your movie, Bergeron Brothers, since my character was supposed to be a schlub, I bought clothes that were a size too small. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I stole the idea because they used to do it uh, with George Costanza and Seinfeld. Dressed in clothes that were too small. Oh, it's hilarious. And you are like kind of very Costanza-ish in, in the movie. Uh, it's, yeah, it, it's it's a lot of fun, man. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for people to see that one too. So, so be on the it's lookout really, for yeah, that. But yeah, go go rent the boonies, yeah. <laughs> and and get your ass in front of your TV and uh, rent the boonies. And guys, again, uh, and finally, uh, thank you both for coming on. Uh, it's been a blast talking about this. Uh, paying homage to the influence of this beautiful genre and uh thank you for you know for for the art for creating this movie because if it's one thing we need we need brand new movies of the horror realm in our lives i know i do uh thank you both uh endlessly this was awesome thank you dude yeah thanks for having us man this this is great it was a great convo yeah it was uh i hope to have more uh, maybe we can have uh, both of you guys on when uh, Bergeron Brothers drops. I'd love, love to. to do it. Yeah, Just tell me. I'd love, yeah, to. I'd love to. We'll mark it on the fucking calendar. We're going to do it. Uh, you can check us out on Spotify, on iTunes, on your respective podcast uh, listening formats. Uh, rate, review. Um, I, I, you don't have to do that because it doesn't really matter. I don't give a fuck. But uh, <laughs> complete uh, DIY podcast here. No. Uh, no house other than the heart guy media house uh running this and uh yeah when this is out um check out the boonies and uh leave us some comments in our twitter and or instagram page let us know what you think reach out to lance reach out to ben cloyd deedles and uh let these guys (laughs) let these guys know what you think of the film and uh yeah thanks again guys i appreciate it Thank yeah, you. thanks again for having us, man. This is great.